for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Having one. Wow, good morning everyone. Um, just to introduce myself, my name is Karen Kircher. Um, I come from King's Arms Church uh, in sunny Bedford, so I'm here with team, the amazing Sue and Jeff. Uh, we have caught the bug that we never travel alone, we always travel in family and community, so they're a phenomenal couple, I'm sure if you get the chance, let them pray with you, prophesy over you, bless you magnificently, they're an incredible, incredible couple. Um, and so, yeah, make the most of them. I'm sure they'll move around and pray and prophesy over you as we're going. Um, just a little bit of background about myself. I think there's a slide to show this. I'm married to an amazing guy called Mark, who at the moment has not encountered Jesus, but I know Jesus is on his case. We have been married for nearly 29 years. We have three incredible children who are all going for God. Uh, magnificently saved, which I am just so phenomenally grateful to God about. Um, Jack is 24. He's going after the area of influence around creativity, uh, music production, video production. My middle child is going into the um, area of government in terms of becoming a police officer for Bedfordshire. He's imminently waiting for his start date. And my daughter Georgina is currently doing A-levels and so is just listening hard to what it is God wants her to do. Um, And I would be remiss to not conclude my family with the final member of the family. This is Eli, who is our 48-kilo giant fluffy bear, uh, who ultimately exudes love to everyone that comes into the house. So that's my family. A little bit more background about myself. I actually did a degree in music, dance, drama, film and television. Um, And then I uh, stood there in that panic, like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Because I didn't feel that that was where I wanted to go and work. And I saw an advert for personnel management training with um, a leading retail organisation and so I applied and I got in. So I joined as a personnel management trainee back in 1985, so I'm showing my age, um, and started in the corporate ladder. It was quite tough at first, it was against a lot of my values, I was raised in a, in a Christian home environment, um, but I just pressed through. I knew there was something about carrying the love and the respect and the dignity of Jesus in my work environment, even in those early years. Um, I went up the corporate ladder, I got to senior HR level, and then set up my own business in 2000. So to the secular world, if you look at my business card, my business card says I am a leadership and organisational development coach. But between you and me, I basically go into organisations and I teach Jesus leadership and kingdom culture. I just don't call it that. Um, And so that's my journey. I'm a secret weapon, basically, for the kingdom. And I carry the vision to change the face of leadership. So whether I'm working in healthcare, whether I'm working in business, whether I'm working in education, or more recently, God is taking me into Parliament as well, 
I am there to change the face of leadership and to bring kingdom culture. So it's ever so exciting. I guess the journey over the past 10 years, partnering with God, um, has led me to this book, which Graham has kindly allowed me to bring copies of for you. Um, And so really this this book and what I'm sharing today is just some of those um, tips and things that I've been learning along the way. Because the reality is that God's agenda is to build his church. We are the church, us, every single person in this room. We are the church. And what God wants to do is transform all of culture by getting us out into all the areas in order to do that. Um, I think Jesus is the example. He exemplified that in the way he lived his life. And certainly, if you pack through all the book of Acts, that is what you're going to find by the early disciples. They were the ones who were going out and transforming society. And just imagine, just for a minute, if every Christian across the world caught the vision of their part to go out into culture and transform society. What would our world look like? What would our world look like? That's the vision. You know, Christianity roots in the Jewish faith. And in the Jewish faith, everything was holistic. Everything came under God. But somewhere what's happened is we've somehow separated and over here put our sacred bit when we go to church... And then right over here somewhere, I mean, for some people, it's completely out the door, our secular world. But that isn't God's plan. It's not his plan. He wants you to combine everything under his rule and reign. I think that is actually what the gospel teaches us. You know, sadly, over time, it's just like the um, cliffs of Dover just dissolving into the sea. That understanding has just gradually disappeared Um, And so we've come to this place when we're separating the two things. And not only that, we've created this bizarre... This is the moment where I might never get invited back. But we've created this slightly bizarre hierarchy of um, different careers and occupations. So, you know, if you're a kind of church leader, like the amazing guys at the front here, church leadership, you know, you're like up here in God's eyes but the poor old tax collector or something is like down here. I mean, what is that about? That's, that's, not, that's not God, is it? He loves every single occupation, paid, unpaid, full-time, part-time, voluntary, whatever it is, including, dare I say, full-time carers and full-time parenting. They are your career and your profession, and he loves them all equally. There is no hierarchy in the kingdom of heaven. So we'll quash and squash that one right now in Jesus' name. And then alongside this kind of hierarchy and separating everything out, we've also created this kind of mindset that we can't talk about God in public. We can't talk about Jesus when I go to work. No, you're not meant to go and bash uh, uh, people over the head with the Bible. Just be the Bible. We'll talk about it a bit more later. But what's happened is because we've almost disempowered ourselves by being the light in the world and by expressing kingdom and God, um, this is the hard crunch question. What is the difference between you, where you work, 
What is the difference between you and, like my husband, an honourable atheist who sits on the desk next to you? What is the difference in who we are, how we behave, how we respond to people and situations around us? What is the difference? So we need to kind of get over ourselves, really, and recognise that we do live... Actually, we're fortunate in this nation. We live in a Christian country. Our Prime Minister, I've been in the chamber when I've heard her declare that. We are a Christian country. And the Queen certainly makes it clear, doesn't she, in her Christmas speeches. She's phenomenal. So let's stand in that place that, you know, it's okay that we can be who we are when we're in our work environments. And we don't need to live with this bomb shelter mindset of, oh, Lord Jesus, just save us and I've got my golden ticket and then I can go to heaven. Hallelujah. Because I think you're missing out on the fun that I experience on a daily basis when we live in that way. Maybe it's something about our definition of work that actually doesn't help us. I like this definition, which I think there's a slide for it. The daily exertion, paid or unpaid, in contrast to rest and leisure, which is consistent with God's image, will and design. I like that because this definition celebrates the efforts of all careers and all callings equally. Whether you are... Um, a high-leveled barrister in London, or whether you are a cleaner in the NHS, whether you work in, as a, a voluntary um, sector volunteer in a charity shop, or whether you are at home caring for elderly parents. Wherever you work, this one applies equally to absolutely everybody. And it creates that more holistic approach to our daily lives. You know, the way I look at it, Colossians 3.2, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. And the reality is God worked for six days and then he had a day of rest. So I kind of look at things that I'm either working or I'm resting, whatever that work is. Whether I'm working as a mum preparing a meal or doing the cleaning or I'm working, coaching um, somebody in central London. Whatever it is, it's all part of my work. But also then I have my rest. It says, doesn't it, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. This is the key one. He makes me lie down in green pastures. In other words, resting with the Father. And he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Now imagine if in your daily walk, wherever you find yourself, you are walking with Jesus throughout that day in still waters. How might your day feel differently? So having kind of dealt with some of those ungodly beliefs and lies that we've maybe been buying into over the years, and it's accumulated over a... Uh, a long period of time. This isn't something that's just crept up on the church. Um, I think as we're recognising we are all called to influence, of course, the natural question is then, where, Lord? Where do you want me to influence? And if we're honest, um, there's a lot of us who sit there in this kind of strange, like, Lord, will you show me where you want me to go? Don't we? Like, then I'll go. Where, where? And do you know what God is saying? Well, I've put you in that classroom, go there. Well, I've put you in that hospital, go there. 
well, I've put you in that accounting firm in central London. Go there. This is the thing. And so we have um, a model, a framework, which I think is useful, although we don't want to get overhung up on it, around the areas of influence. It's easy to remember because it follows the A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Um, Let's have a bit of fun so so I can make sure I keep you awake. Because this this is important, because I want you to catch the fact that where you're called to influence um, is where your community here around you are 100% behind you as your cheerleader. So, is there anyone here who is in the whole area of influence around the arts? Painting, drama, sculpture, handcrafts, writing, dance, poetry, music, anything at all like that? Do we have creatives here in the house? Quickly stand up. Come on, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Stand up. I want to say well done to you guys because the one thing that cannot be um, um, counterfeited by Satan is God's creativity. And I want to encourage you guys to go for it. Can we just give these? Now, I'm not going to want to hear at this moment what my lead elder calls the golf club. Okay. I want to hear that. Yes, we're behind you, clap. Can you just applaud the guys who are in art? Woo! Very good. And then we have B for business. Who here is in business and commerce, running their business or working within an organisation? I know there's a number of you here. Well done. Fantastic. Let's just give these guys a round of applause. Yeah. And then who here, obviously there's, there's Graham, but who, is there anyone else here in full-time church ministry, working for the church? Who else is involved in that? Part-time. Part-time off, yeah, because obviously God doesn't distinguish whether you're full-time, part-time, fixed-term contract, temporary contract, permanent contract. God doesn't look at it that way. Well done, guys. You guys do an amazing job. Okay, the the D is slightly tenuous, distribution of media. This one is so needed because where Satan has attacked is over the whole thing about media, whether it's television, it's in newspapers. You know, we need bloggers and is it vloggers now? I don't really understand the world, but my son does. All of, we need God's truth coming through in our media. Do we have anyone here who is involved in that area? It's... Yes! Come on. Well done. Very good, too. Brilliant. Please encourage when your children start talking about vlogging and blogging and stuff, encourage them. Encourage them to bring it in a godly way. Then we have E, education. Who here is involved in any form of education? Yep. So needed, you know. I was praying in the, with the Christian Union in the Department of Education a few weeks ago. We were praying down all sorts of stuff around God's kingdom coming into our educational system. You know, the truth of, of the Bible in the, in the um, syllabus and what the kids are flowing, you know, having to be taught, because some of it is quite unhealthy. So thank you guys for what you're doing. It's, it's a tough environment, but so needed. So can we give them a round of applause? Thank you. 
And then family. So anyone here that has family, anyone that is spiritually inputting into people, this counts here as family, um, people who are in adoption or fostering, anything at all like that. It's a chance for lots and lots of you to stand. Because if you're a parent, you need to stand up. If you're a grandparent, you need to stand up. If you're spiritually inputting as a spiritual mama or papa, you need to stand up. Well done. You know, God's love of family is phenomenal, isn't it? And we need to really be on top of our game of the importance of that area of influence. So let's give you all and give each other a round of applause. Very good. Then the next one we have is government. This also includes things like the police, anything in the judiciary system. Have we got any, anyone who's walking in that area here? Yes. Fantastic. Thank you so much. You know, the whole thing about righteousness and justice, it, you know, when you carry that, you can be quite exasperating, I think, sometimes to people around. My son used to drive me nuts as a child, but having that and what you carry is just so what, what the world needs at the moment. So thank you so much. Let's give these guys a round of applause. Um, and then we have H, healthcare. Anyone involved in any form of healthcare at all? Stand up. Come on. Wow. So good. I was sharing with a few people last night that I firmly believe that the whole area of the NHS is under a spiritual attack. It's an Ephesians 6 spiritual attack because it's the most phenomenal vision, free healthcare for all. You don't find it anywhere else in the world. And I think Satan's come in and thought, right, I'll make that as unhealthy as I can. So it's worth standing firm wherever you are. And a lot of the stuff I'm going to be talking about today, you can be a phenomenal ambassador for the kingdom and go after stuff so that we can turn it around. Now, you'll be at this moment thinking, I haven't stood up yet. Because there are other areas like technology, um, any science and technology type stuff, sports stuff, other stuff, anything else that anyone else is involved in that you think, I haven't stood up for that. Even if you've stood up for something else, can you please stand up? Because I really want to honour you. This includes if you're full-time um, carers or anything else at all, I just want to honour you guys for what you're doing because you equally count, even if I can't necessarily put a firm label on it from the front. They're all important. So we, can we give these guys a, a cheer as well? Thank you. You know, this is a useful framework, but this is what I want you to hear from my heart. And it's this message. We, as church, are called to influence. And wherever God has placed you, whether it's for a lifetime or a season, that's your opportunity and it's about taking those opportunities in that moment. And if I'm honest, I sat in church for many, many years. If I'm honest, just feeling a bit like undervalued and a bit of a misfit. Like, I know I'm not called to plant churches. I know I'm not called to go and be a missionary. There has to be something more to life than this, but I'm not quite sure what it is. And... I think it's important for us to be honest and recognise that sometimes that is how we have felt in the past. And my prayer today is that the talk today will make you think, ah, 
that's it. I can go for that. This is the truth. Jeremiah 29 says, For I have the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, are plans to prosper you and not to harm you, and plans to give you hope and a future. And wherever you are, even if it's a six-week temporary contract in the local supermarket, that is your chance to go and prosper there for the Lord. Just turn to the person next to you and say, God has an awesome plan for your life. (laughs) Fabulous. You know, I'm really grateful that I got this revelation. It has so helped me, if you like, come into sync with what God wants me to do. Now, don't misunderstand me. I love my local church. I have the... Well, I go to the best church. Amen. (laughs) As you would also say, you go to the best church as well. I totally acknowledge and respect people who've been called into full-time church ministry. It's just I knew that wasn't for me. And the reality is, you know, 98% of you sitting in here, that is the case. We do need to play our role for our church to flourish We do need to have open hearts to serve in all the areas that are required within a church. And we do that with a very open heart. It's just recognising alongside that our call is outward in terms of where we influence. And the exciting thing, I think there's a slide for it, is that there is a momentum beginning to pick up now of changing the way we're looking from us looking upwardly to our eldership to the eldership discipling to send the flock out and that is exciting for me really exciting and I know that's why Graham's called me because he's caught this vision Um, and uh, it's not new the Old Testament is full of examples whether it's Daniel and Joseph um, who were called to public office to bring godly wisdom and uh, freedom to people it's not a new thing David he was a shepherd then he was a soldier, then he was a king. I don't think he had the label church leader anywhere. Did he? No. You know, even the Apostle Paul, Aquila and Priscilla, were tent makers who used that opportunity to bring the gospel. And, you know, you may well be sitting there right now thinking, that's great, Karen, but how on earth do I do that in practice? How do I go forward in practice on this? Where do I start? So I've got a few tips for you. First tip is so important. Stand on your identity as a beloved son or daughter of the king. Because if you don't feel secure in your identity, you will struggle to step out and do some of the crazy things I'm going to be sharing with you. You know, that moment when... um, It's a very profound moment in the Bible when literally Jesus came forward and was baptised in water and then the heavens opened. And and God just said, this is my son. I love him. I love him so much. Now, if I'm honest, when I first used to read that, I'd think, well, he hasn't done anything yet. How can you be proud of him? Because that was my orphan thinking right there because it was about performance. But, you know, Father God's not in the performance business. He just is in the love business. And so 
recognizing, first and foremost, I need to get my heart healed. I need to know I am a beloved son and daughter. And wherever he puts me, he's going to back me up because he is my dad. And my dad, as we've been singing today, I quite like singing that worship song rather than my God is greater. I like seeing my dad is. Suddenly changes your perspective. We just need to allow God to transform our thinking. In Romans 8:14 says, "For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by whom we cry, "Abba, Father." It's amazing. You know, I had a, quite a few years ago when I was a very much at the beginning of this journey, I had done a team development day with an ex, uh, a director team in London and a finance organisation, and they'd really enjoyed it. They got loads from it. I'd, what I call covertly, which I'll explain later, brought all sorts of stuff without them realising it. So I embarked then on one-to-one coaching with them. Um, in the first session with the chief executive, literally 20 minutes in, I heard God say to me, Karen, I want you to ask him, what is his purpose in me and why have I put him here on earth? Did I respond immediately? No. It was like, God, do that, God, do that. So you know when you have that like, dialogue going with God and then you're calmly trying to do whatever you're doing? That's what I had for about five minutes. It's like, I can't do that, I can't do that. And he said, I want you, I want you to ask him. Why have I put him here and what's his purpose in me? And so in the end, I realised it was futile to argue with the creator of the universe and my beloved father. And I knew he would back me. And I thought, well, the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm I'm about to lose a contract that's probably worth about £15,000 to me if it goes pear-shaped. I'm not going to get shot. I'm not going to get murdered. He might just pleasantly escort me from the building and so be it. So I I got to that place after about five minutes. So I just said to him, this might sound crazy, but I'm a Christian and I believe that God is asking me to ask you, what is your purpose? Why has he put you here on earth? There was at that moment a pause that felt like about half an hour, but probably was only about 10 seconds. And he just went, wow, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And then he shared his story that as a young man, he had toyed with whether to go into business or whether to go into the Church of England as a, a minister. And so suddenly, our coaching took on a whole new realm. I had a, a prophetic picture. I shared it with him. I declared to him, are you going to stand in the place of just being a maintenance director or are you going to pioneer something different? And he got it and started building something completely different. Now, if I hadn't been secure in my identity, there is no way I would have done that. There's no way I would have battled and battled and I wouldn't have done it. And do you know what? For me, I've got to the place now when if I don't, what is harder is then not knowing what would have happened. I would rather it fall flat than not know what might have happened, what fruit might have come from something if I had done it. And it then leads me nicely to the next point, which is as secure in your identity, and I know Graham's done some fantastic teaching on all of this, is about you need to influence from a kingdom perspective. Because 
it clearly says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we, we, we say the Lord's Prayer all the time, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But do we consider what we're actually saying? What is kingdom coming here on earth as it is up there? What does that actually mean? And again, it's like one of those things where we've lost sight over the years. The, the Jews knew exactly what Jesus was talking about but we can easily lose sight of it. I love if you just simply, if you've got your Bibles and you want to just turn to Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 3, it gives you the pointers, all of them. And it says this, doesn't it? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. What's that? Kingdom's principle one, God's presence. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. What's that? It's kingdom justice and righteousness. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Healing, whether it's physical or emotional healing. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Salvation, deliverance, freedom, kingdom stuff. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. What is that? Peace. And the day of vengeance of of our God to comfort all who mourn. Comfort. To grant those who um, mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, joy. That they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So this is the challenge. This is my challenge to you. It's a bit like when you try and name the seven dwarfs. You know, you can name four, but you can never name all seven. You get no happy, grumpy, and you, but then you can't get to the seven. This is your homework. Have immediately in your thinking, right at the forefront, the seven things which are kingdom. God's presence, the righteousness and justice, healing, salvation, freedom, peace, comfort, joy, Know what they are. Have them right in your forefront because then when you go into your place of influence, you know what it is you can bring. You come up against hopelessness, you just bring kingdom, hope and joy. You come up against someone who's ill and you can bring healing, covert or overt. You know, whatever it is you come across, and boy, does the world need it, bring it, pray it down you have an, an opportunity to so powerfully connect with the kingdom of God. It's here, it's now. Again, we are the block. We are the block. We need to just tap into it. Once we understand and focus on kingdom and recognise through our identity, we have full access rights. It's like you have access rights to the oval room in the White House of heaven where you can go and sit on the Father's lap and say, Papa, I'd love this. And you'll go, here you are. It's just waiting for you to ask. Go for it. I had a client once, she came into her coaching session, and 
I don't know about some of you will be more wired this way than others. I'm an atmosphere sensor. I could feel just like turmoil all round her. It was like sitting next to a washing machine going... <laughs> and she just she shared a bit about, you know, home, particularly in her wider family, was chaotic. It was just a car crash happening all around her. And she simply said to me, I just wish I could find peace. And so... It's not Christian. I said, well, I know where I can give you fine peace for you if you would like it. She says, yes, please. She's desperate. I said, right. I said, it will involve me just praying a quick prayer. Is that okay? She said, yes, please. So I did. I just prayed, Spirit of God, send by your Holy Spirit peace. <laughs> Down into the room it came. It was unbelievable. We just literally, both, I mean, it was lovely for me. I was getting paid to just enjoy five minutes of peace with Jesus. It was amazing. <laughs> A week later, her boss said to me, what on earth happened in her coaching session? Because it's like she's been walking around on this, her words were, peaceful, happy cloud ever since. I'm thinking, there's the kingdom right there. You can do that. Now, I often wonder, what would the world of business look like in heaven? Or what does government look like in heaven? Or what would, I mean, healthcare in heaven, of course, healthcare is just total well-being, isn't it? What does it look like in heaven? Because that's what I want to bring here on earth. And it's just asking ourselves on a daily basis some challenging questions. A bit like the Mother Teresa one. Preach at all times, but only when you have to use words. It's about how I am. How I am, am I, how I'm behaving. If I'm the first gospel someone's going to read, what are they going to read? In the way that I am with people. In my place of work... What are people reading about how I'm responding to people in difficult situations? Am I reflecting heaven on earth? Are they catching a glimpse of the Father's love by how I am? Um, I did a talk at uh, the Catalyst Work Zone a couple of years ago, and this lad who was quite young, he was, he was not in a senior role in his team. He was one of the more junior members of the team, but he caught this stuff. It's like, oh my word, I can make a difference. He was in an environment which was very gossipy, very slundry. It was horrible, toxic environment, and he hated it. And he'd been praying, God, just get me out of there. It's just so horrible. And he suddenly realized, oh, God's put me there for a reason. Suddenly everything changed. Suddenly the ambassador arrived even though his job title was one of the lower ones. And he just started shifting the atmosphere. He would just start loving people and caring for people and making people cups of tea. On, you know, just, just doing those things that was about bringing kingdom. And in the end, his, his, it started to change the atmosphere of the team. And his boss actually called him in and said, I don't know why you've done that, but thank you, because it's made a difference. Now, how many of you are sitting in... Um, office environments or wherever you're working in, in healthcare or wherever it is where you just think this atmosphere is horrible it's very dishonouring well you can make the difference you can make the difference in two ways and this is an important part of the work that I do because although I've shared so far two what I call overt stories where I've openly declared my faith and brought something prophetically probably 80 85% of the time for me, I'm operating in what I call the undercover mission. Covert operations. You are field operatives from this moment on. This is your new job title. And so it's about learning how to walk in the kingdom in a covert way. 
So random acts of kindness, as I was just saying with that lad, making cups of coffee, just recognising when someone is struggling, you just need to spend that five minutes with them, picking it up. I once arrived at a client's up in Derby, and I was a few minutes early, so I thought I'll go and make myself a cup of coffee, and there was a Muslim lady in there, the locker was in like the kitchenette area, and um, she was the cleaner. Now, I go on an offensive every time I see cleaners, receptionists, catering assistants, because you know what? They get treated so poorly in organisations. And I just went up to her, genuinely, because I had noticed this. I said to her, thank you so much for the way you clean this place. You know, I travel to a lot of buildings, and this place is spotless. Thank you so much for your level of excellence, and that you do your job so well. Now, I don't think she'd heard that before. You know, she looked quite emotional, but also, like, smiling, and she looked slightly taller. Because I think people just didn't... They just ignored her. She was just invisible to most people. But I was bringing kingdom. I covertly uh, pray in tongues on any corridors and any rooms as I'm going around. So those of you who are, like, in healthcare, you know, when you're walking around corridors in hospitals, if I've got a contract in a, in a hospital, I'm praying, kingdom peace, kingdom comfort, you know, healing in Jesus' name. Uh, I just do that all the time. It's just a conscious thing. As soon as I walk through the door, I'm quietly praying away in tongues. Um, I had uh, two days at a particular NHS where both myself and my boss, we were both Christians. Actually, I identified a whole group who were the black Pentecostal nursing group, who I got on board as well. So we were all doing this. And we used to walk outpatients every morning. This was a, a, a trust where they had guards because things regularly kicked off in outpatients. And I was amused to hear that, you know, the secret shoppers who sometimes they get feedback. Um, a secret shopper actually wrote on her card that outpatients felt very peaceful today. I'm thinking, too right, because we've been going in there praying down peace for the last four months. It makes a difference. You know, you don't need to bash people over the head with the gospel. Actually, it's Jesus' responsibility to save people, not you. That's quite liberating. You just need to be the gospel. It's just a different way of looking at this. Now, my purpose is to be obedient to the Spirit and honour people where they are. And 80, 85% of the time, I'm not actually saying to people, hello, I'm a Christian, here's the Bible. No, I'm just being the Bible. (laughs) One of my covert stories, just to balance the overt ones I'm doing, I was in a coaching session, and sometimes in my prophetic gifting, I see kind of movies kind of playing sometimes in my head when I'm working with people. And it's great because I can cut to the chase very quickly of what the issues are. Um, And I just saw this movie of like Cinderella running around um, the family and never going to the ball. That's what I heard. She never goes to the ball. So I said to this woman, this is weird. I've just got this picture in my head. Like, Like throughout your childhood, you were like Cinderella and you never went to the ball. You just had to run around after everyone. She said, that's exactly my childhood. I do a lot of work under emotional intelligence, so it enables me to have these conversations. And she said, that's exactly it. She said, I was one of 12 children. 
uh, of which there were only two girls. And when my elder sister left home, my mother sadly died as well. And so I had to be the, the mother. I had to be the woman of the house. And she said, what's weird, she says, is last weekend, this is when I knew I was partnering with the Holy Spirit, last weekend I went to um, uh, like one of those um, race nights, which was a very posh like um, ball race night thing. She said, and I've never won anything in my life, but I won the first prize and I won an iPad. And I'm thinking, oh God, you are so amazing. So all covert language, I was saying, do you know what, you are so worth it. You know, this is your time to go to the ball. And then I just, I'm declaring all sorts of stuff over her and my head going, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Because unless I get the green light from the Holy Spirit to go over, I'm staying covert. But it was interesting because her feedback, not just hers, but her boss and her team was all the same. That there was just a, a, like um, a happy light, happy cloud. That's the way she described it. Something had lifted because I'm doing deliverance. I'm just... Not telling her I'm doing deliverance, you know. I'm just clearing off lies and rubbish that she's been believing for so many years. And it's just about taking the Christian message and reflecting it in our secular um, lifestyles. I use it when I run um, corporate uh, workshops. I teach them the culture of honour. Five minutes in of a six-month program, I talk about, let's talk about how we want to behave with each other. Obviously, respect always comes up. And I say, oh, well, you know, I give this a name. I call it the culture of honour. So within 15, 20 minutes, they have caught something about the culture of honour. It's quite easy to do. I had a team of 75 people. It was, it was weird I kind of walked in, and, and I had never met any of them apart from two of the people, two of the senior people before, um, one of which goes to our church, which is why I was in there on covert mission with her. Um, and the first hour was weird because uh, they kind of did geographical areas celebrate, saying basically what their report was in terms of the state of the nation for their geographical area. And at the end of each one, it was the golf club, like... You know, there was no honour in the room at all. It was, I could hear it clocking. Oh, that's all right, we've done better than them. Or, oh my gosh, we haven't done as well as them. So they were on the performance ladder, which of course God doesn't do. And so I stood up after the hour to start the day's team development stuff and I started teaching them the culture of honour. That, you know, your, your success is your success and your success is your success. And actually, no, this team over here is struggling and so that's all of your struggle. And so let's now celebrate as a team, all of us, the phenomenal achievements that you've made. And thankfully they caught it and they roared and cheered and we had the culture of honour in the room. At the end of the day, when they were asked, what's your key learning? A lot of the group said, it's this thing called the culture of honour. They're hungry for it out there, really hungry for it. And so it's this balancing between covert and overt operations, partnering with the Holy Spirit, going with what you feel the Holy Spirit is saying with you, and doing it in a language that connects with the people that you're with. So just being really aware of where people are at. I think that's what Jesus did. Jesus met the woman at the well. He met her where she was at. That's what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes I do get the, the flag, be open, and so that's what I'll do. I'll be open. So just to kind of 
land this in for a close. That's my encouragement to you. Recognise where you're called and recognise that whether you do it covertly or overtly, you're bringing the kingdom. And I thought I would finish because I think this guy's words are far better than mine. It's Billy Graham. You know, we celebrate his life on earth and we celebrate with him now with his father in heaven. But this is what he said. This isn't my words, this is his. God wants to use you right where you are. Every day you probably come in contact with people who will never enter a church or talk with a pastor or open a Bible. And God wants to use you to point them to Christ. And I can't think of better words to use than those words by a phenomenal guy who, yes, led millions to Christ, but that was his mindset. Amazing. So, yeah, go for it, guys. Go for it.